Sooners literally run over the Oklahoma State Cowboys on their way to a 34-16 win. In case you're keeping track at home, let's make sure the score is accurate. The Bedlam record now is 89-18. to I don't care about the ties. 89 wins, 18 losses. Welcome to Sooner Nation. This is Matt Hofeld along with Rich DeCray, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find us on the web. Oklahoma had already uh, locked up a spot in the Big 12 championship game, but they needed this win in Stillwater against a nationally ranked team, which they got. And um, now they've got to get ready to face Baylor, who I believe Baylor's going to move up at least two spots this week. We'll talk about that later on. Oklahoma's still very much alive for the playoff. we got to talk about that here in a little bit as well. But let's start with Jalen Hurts and company. A mild passing night for Jalen Hurts, 13 of 16, 163 yards through the air. And um, it, it, I look, some people are going to say Oklahoma State did that good of a job defensively. I'm going to go ahead and just tell you two things about this. Um, the first thing I'm going to tell you is that the win played a bigger role, I think, than uh, than Oklahoma State's defense and the way Jalen Hurts threw the ball because – it's not like he threw the ball poorly. He completed 13 of 16 passes. It's just he only threw 16 passes. And so Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State's going to say, well, our defense shut down Jalen Hurts through the air, then show me a number better than 13 of 16, okay? Don't don't tell me we, we held him to just 163 passing yards, but we gave up, you know, 13 receptions and 16 attempts. The, the weather played a bigger factor in it. And then this commitment, you and I talked about it, Rich, to uh, to the this power run game that Oklahoma's running now, that, that we've seen it kind of emerge midway through the second quarter of Baylor, and, and it's lasted all the way through. That had a bigger role in it as well. At the end of the day, Oklahoma, with a total of 44 rushing attempts for 283 yards, I'm okay with the way the offense looked on Saturday night in Stillwater, especially when you consider the win factor. Give me some of your thoughts. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And I do think a, a larger portion of the way the game played out was by design. Heading into this game, we knew that Oklahoma was going to run the ball, and we knew that Oklahoma State was going to run the ball. It was who was going to be more successful at that. And then you have the passing attack, which is more so we had talked about to keep the defenses honest or to convert on maybe obvious passing downs, third down situations, things of that nature. Oklahoma coming in with a game plan and the stable of running backs that they had. I'm a little bit shocked, number one, because I thought, and I told you this, that we would be closer to a 60-40 split, meaning 60 running, 40 throwing. It was an overwhelming majority. Percentages. Yeah, percentages. It's an overwhelming majority running the ball for Oklahoma. And when you're successful, don't fix something that's not broken. And and I really think Oklahoma is beginning to find their identity. I think this is who they wanted to be from the get-go in the number of carries that Jalen Hurts was getting. It's now they're involving the running backs and the running backs are racking up just as many, if not more, over these past three weeks in terms of, of carries and the responsibility or the load and majority of the responsibility there. Kennedy Brooks, 22 carries for 160 yards, averaged 7.3 yards per carry. One thing that Oklahoma State did do uh, was they made Jalen Hurts work for what he got. 16 carries, 61 yards, 3.81, 3.8 yards per carry, one rushing touchdown for Jalen as well. Uh, but they did make him work for it, and I'm okay with that because when you make Jalen work for the yards that he's going to get – Three and a half yards per carry is really, in my opinion, that's all you need to average. Back when I was coaching, I wanted to average at least three and a half yards per carry because here's why. Three and a half yards per carry, if I carried the ball three times, that's 10 yards and, and some change. So I'm okay with the 3.8 yards per carry. But here's the thing. If you make Jalen Hurts work for it, all that means is this. Kennedy Brooks is going to average seven plus yards per carry because you cannot give that much attention to Jalen Hurts and still account for Kennedy Brooks. And this is what I've been saying about Oklahoma's offense all season long. The way Lincoln Riley does it with motion, with misdirection, with pulling the tackles, pulling the guards, 
If you focus on Jalen Hurts, that means Kennedy Brooks is going to be one-on-one with somebody. And if he if he can get past the first level of defense, he's eight, nine yards deep before the second guy can get to him. And we saw that with Oklahoma State, but we saw it the week before with TCU. That's becoming a thing with Oklahoma. But what I I I'm really falling in love with this offense that Lincoln Riley's doing. I, I agree. I think if you take out the win factor, there is a little more pass sprinkled in. But I think also when you consider that one of the nation's best running backs is across the field, you want to you want to dominate the ball. You want to dominate the clock. And mm-hmm. and so what we saw Oklahoma's offense do was two things. We saw them chew up the clock to keep Chuba Hubbard off the field. But we also saw them – we've talked about this. We saw them just lean – on Oklahoma State's defense, that by the time they put the change of pace back in there, Ramondre Stevenson, dude went off three carries for 50 yards because they're just done. At that point, they're so beat up and they're done. That's where this offense, the way they've changed their philosophy since that Baylor game, they've become even more dangerous. And now they're even more difficult to defend because you're Baylor coming into Arlington, Texas this coming weekend, and you're thinking, we've got to stop this rushing attack but, oh, yeah, they still got CeeDee Lamb, and they still got Charleston Rambo that we have to deal with. So I, I, I'm, I'm in a good place with Oklahoma's offense right now, especially when you consider zero turnovers. Exactly. Turnovers were, were a major factor in this game. And weighing our expectations, I don't know heading into the contest that I would have said it was a hope of mine, but I don't know that I, I would have – wagered anything to say Oklahoma would win the turnover margin like they did on Saturday. One thing about this running game, I want to ask you, first off, a little bit surprised we didn't see more Ramondre Stevenson, but as the we take a, a snapshot of these past three games, one thing that that I've noticed is you have Jalen Hurts, who is unlike a quarterback that has played under Lincoln Riley. No other quarterback during Lincoln Riley's tenure anywhere in the country has had the talents or the skill set, I should say, that Jalen Hurts possesses. Everyone has talked about him as essentially another running back in the backfield because of his size, his physicality. It never fails that when Jalen Hurts lowers his shoulder that they talk about his powerlifting championship in high school as well. All of a sudden, Trey Sermon is removed from that equation. And this isn't a knock against Trey Sermon. I I feel as though, and this was my question for you, I feel as though there were too many cooks in the kitchen, to use a colloquialism. Kennedy Brooks, Jalen Hurts, Trey Sermon. How do you keep all three of those guys happy in the backfield with a number of carries that they were getting prior to the Trey Sermon injury to where all of a sudden Trey Sermon's removed from that equation. Your go-to, your feature back, obviously, Kennedy Brooks, we're seeing him get close to, if not eclipsing, the 20 carry mark in each of the past three games at this point in, ter- in, in, in time. But it's also that shift in philosophy and game plan, and it's been successful, is... My question for you is the removal of Trey Sermon. Is that the an unfortunate answer to a question that Oklahoma has been asking on no, the offensive I, side of the ball? I, I don't think it is, and I I really don't think that, that that's a question anybody was asking. I, I think it was a I think Lincoln Riley prior to Kansas State, Lincoln Riley kind of had too many toys, so to speak. That he, you know, you, you like um, Jay Leno's garage. Well, maybe. I mean, seriously, you know, you uh, I, this for because I'm a dad. I, I use this parallel is that you you put your your kids under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. They open up all of these presents, okay? And there's always going to be the favorite, all right? The favorite toy, and and for Lincoln Riley, that's Jalen Hurts. But then there's these other toys that are really cool as well. And what you're going to do is. You're going to play with the favorite toy, but then you're going to go and check out the other toy, and then you're going to come back and play with the favorite toy even more. I think we saw that for the first two months of the season, but 
against Kansas State, it, it became evident what Oklahoma really needed was the ability to run the ball with power running. And I don't think it had anything to do with Trey Sermon. I don't think it had anything to do with Kennedy Brooks. I think it had more to do with the philosophy. And actually, Lincoln Riley talked about this after the game on Saturday night. And that was that um, I, he played it off. He said a lot of it was just game flow and so forth. But you, we talked about this on Thursday night as we we're previewing Bedlam. You can't look at Oklahoma's last three games and not see a change in philosophy. Like I said, I, I believe they ran the ball more against Oklahoma State than they originally were going to because of the win factor. But prior to, to Saturday night, for three consecutive weeks, Kennedy Brooks hit a season high in the number of carries. He had 25 against TCU. He ended up with 22 against Oklahoma State. That's, that 25, 22, 15, those numbers by themselves were more carries than the running backs were getting combined prior to Trey Sermon getting injured, prior to the loss at Kansas State. So I don't think it has as much to do with an injury as it does with just Lincoln Riley and his offensive coaches sitting down and, and Bill Beatingbow. There, there's the, you know, there's the famous quote that's out there now. Everyone talks about it. Which, if if you're a fan of Smash Mouth football, you got to love this. Where Bill Beatingbow says, "We we really our goal is to watch your soul melt, you know, in our hands as we just beat the crap out of you." He doesn't say crap, but you know, <laughs> uh, for for so many, you know, for three hours, we want to watch your soul <laughs> wilt. And, and that's what they're doing. And I, I think Bill Biedenbow and and Kale Gundy, these guys sat down with Lincoln Riley and said, hey, let's do it this way. You can still have all the toys. You can still have, you know, do what you want to with Jalen Hurts. But let's really lean on these defenses. And, and don't overlook this as a contributing factor to what Oklahoma's defense is doing with the improvements. And there's the, there's two narratives on the defense. There's the national narrative that Oklahoma is still not playing good defense, and then there's the local narrative that they played a bad first half against Baylor. But you take away those turnovers in the first half against Baylor, and this defense didn't play as bad as what the paper shows them playing as far as points given up. Now, unfortunately, the national narrative is kind of controlling the story right now. But if you come ball back, if it all comes back to full circle. Controlling the clock, wearing on the opponent, that has helped. Not not only has it helped Oklahoma in terms of just dominating their opponents, but it's also helped this defense get rested up and get ready to go back out there. They've got more time for schemes. Look at look at what Shuba Hubbard did in the first quarter against Oklahoma on Saturday night, and then look what he did the the, the third. Uh, the second, third, and fourth quarters. I think he had somewhere around 70 yards rushing in the first quarter. And then through the final three quarters, he was about 30 to 40 yards total, uh, somewhere close to that. Um, And it's because what Alex Grinch is able to do is get his guys together and change up some schematics, adjust his game plan because he has the time to do that while Lincoln Riley is just grinding on the opponent with this offense. Ramondre Stevenson, you know he's been one of my favorite guys since day one on campus. I think what it comes down to for him is a trust issue. With the turnover issues that they have been having, Lincoln Riley's got the guys in there that he trusts. You know, and, and whenever your back's against the wall, the general goes with his most trusted commanders. And right now, I think Ramondre, not because he has a fumble I've, issue. I've got a secondary opinion okay, on I, that. Okay, I don't think it's because of a fumble issue. It's just it's an experience issue. Lincoln knows he can rely on Kennedy Brooks. And that's why Kennedy is getting 22 carries and Ramondre is getting three. And those three came really in garbage time. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, my my opinion potentially on on what you're saying concerning Ramondre Stevenson and the limited number of carries doesn't – Trust could be an issue, but for me, I'm looking at it statistically and what you have on the roster. Oklahoma suffers a season-ending injury. Trey Sermon, more specifically, suffers a season-ending injury. Now your only experienced back who has been healthy for the duration of the season is Kennedy Brooks. 
And now not, no experience coming in as a first-year guy, Ramondre Stevenson. And then you've got TJ Pledger who's coming off of an injury. Imagine for me really quickly a scenario. Trey Sermon we know is hurt, but what happens if you have two backs out there and a Ramondre Stevenson or even a Kennedy Brooks gets hurt in a game? Well, now, now you're down to the one back. I think it's more a preservation tactic at this point. Like I said, my opinion, because yeah. you're shaking your head no, in, in disbelief. I'm just thinking, look, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're worried about somebody getting hurt, that guy's going to be Kennedy Brooks, so you limit his carries. If that's if that's the way, if that's what if that's what you're worried about, then you're but limiting here's the thing his is, exposure. Ken, Kennedy Brooks is the the opposite style runner when you compare him to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts well, he's is that burst guy exactly. And and we saw time and time again on Saturday. You talk about the pools that Oklahoma does with the offensive line. There's a very specific play, and they showed a, they showed a replay of it, and it was extremely noticeable. I, I do want to say some things about Jalen Hurts, but RJ Proctor is coming all the way across the field, all the way across the field, and he becomes that lead blocker. I don't know that there was a tight end on the field, even if it was a Lee Morris or a Braden Willis. I don't know that anyone had lined up as a tight end on that play. So the fact that RJ Proctor, and we had talked about some of the struggles early on for him, now consistently playing at a level that many expected him to be at, hat tip to to the production but watching him come across the field and be that lead blocker who springs the running back or the quarterback to these seven eight or even longer gains i don't know if it was stevenson in the backfield i don't know who it was but my eye was immediately drawn to proctor and the distance Mm -hmm. that he covered this offensive line coming into their own well, well, well deserved to be in the, the conversation for top 10 in the country, even though I may not have agreed with that two weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. Bill Beatonbow doing a great job with those guys. And there's been a significant difference uh, with RJ uh, in that starting lineup. Oklahoma off to Arlington, Texas for the Big 12 championship. Sooners will, plays, will face the Baylor Bears uh, in that game. Oklahoma on the south side. If you're looking for tickets, you want the south side of the stadium. That's where the Sooners will be setting. And if you haven't got your tickets, guess what? Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and the row of your choice, all within the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and the games to the hottest theater shows and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program today. And here's the best part. When it's time to buy, new users can new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout and receive a discount of up to $100 on your purchase. Um, my son and my wife asked me, for Big 12 championship tickets as their Christmas present. I was like, you guys want your Christmas present this early? And they're like, yep. I bought them on Vivid Seats. I <laughs> used the promo code. I mean, like this is uh, – we're not going to tell you about something we're not doing. I did it. It worked. I downloaded the app. I used the promo card. I saved money on the Big 12 championship tickets. And there's some great seats out there. We were just looking at them before we started recording. There's some great seats out there at a good price. And so um, if you want to be in Arlington on Saturday – not being able to find a good ticket at a good price cannot be your excuse. Jalen Hurts joins elite company at the University of Oklahoma on Saturday night in Stillwater. What exactly did he do, Rich DeCray? Um, the one thing, and this was a, a conversation that I've had. Wait, time out. You got to answer my question. Elite company. He did something that has only. Oh, been... I was just going to tell you what he did during the game. Yeah, I, he, I got nothing for you. He did something that has only been done one time in the history of Oklahoma football. Oh, it's the, the, the triple dip, yes, so yeah. to speak. You have the receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown can, all in a, in a single game. Can you name the other Oklahoma football player to have accomplished this feat? Um, if I had to take a wild guess, it would be Blake Bell. 
No. <laughs> you're closer <laughs> it's than a good my son. one, right? Yeah, you're closer than my son Caleb. My son <laughs> Caleb thought it was uh he thought it was Baker Mayfield. I mean, so you're closer as far as time back because Blake Bell was, Well, Blake Bell came in and, and ran the ball. Well, but scored he scored some running yeah, touchdowns. He, and he was before Baker Mayfield, but you gotta go way Spread way back. Spread out as the tight end. Way, way back. Tommy McDonald, uh, Hall of Fame player for the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way. Tommy McDonald, the last player to accomplish this feat. Uh, Jalen Hurts joins Elite Company. I, I know you're you're about to say something about Jalen, mm-hmm. uh, but I want to ask you a question. Heisman Trophy. I've got a vote this week on the Maxwell Award. Um, my top three for the Maxwell Award uh, were Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Chuba Hubbard. Chuba doesn't make the finals, so it's Joe Burrow, uh, Jalen Hurts, and Gosh, the, the, Chase Young. I'm blanking on Chase Young's name. That's why I hit you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, look, I love Jalen Hurts. I'm an Oklahoma fan through and through. My wife gets mad at me. She's like, you can't vote for Joe Burrow. But how can you not? At this mm-hmm. point, the, the the opportunity to vote – look, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, I just when I do my All-American ballot, it's going to be all Oklahoma players, which I did my All-American ballot. And there was a few Oklahoma players on there. But I think for the Maxwell Award – I. I was waiting to the last minute, but I watched Jalen, and I love what he's brought to this team. I also watched Joe Burrow on Saturday, and I can't, I can't vote Jalen number one over Joe Burrow at this point. Yeah, Joe Burrow having an incredible season. I think he's going to run away with the Heisman, by the way. I do too. Unless he just falls on his face Saturday in the SEC Championship. I still think he wins it. Hands down, he's won the Heisman. You and I had previously discussed, it it all hinged upon the Alabama game. LSU, Alabama, obviously Burrow won a heck of a game, all but secures the Heisman in that moment. But looking at his season, I, I don't see that single individual play that you single out and say that is the Heisman moment. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know that we have a single individual play with Jalen Hurts, but you can obviously make a case that the Baylor game was the second right. half, yeah. was a Heisman half to stick with the alliteration of the H's, a Heisman half for Jalen Hurts. I, I think the guys that are being invited Obviously, well deserving, but it's hard not to root for the kid who played in Home Alone. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm sorry, Joe Burrow when he takes the helmet off and his hair's slicked back. It kind of reminds me of Macaulay Culkin, and he's got the baby face. So, boom! All of a sudden, we're heading into the Christmas season. One of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, Home Alone. Okay, the we, connection. Just, well, I'm the gonna connection. get back on track. It's there. Um, clearly, if I'm voting as a fan, I'm voting for Jalen Hurts, but I'm not voting on. And this, in this capacity, I'm not voting as a fan. Voting as a member of the media and um, Football Writers Association of America, and I've got to go. I got to go with Joe Burrow, and and that's just the way. I think Jalen gets the invite. Uh, he'll be there when the Maxwell Award is is awarded. He'll be there when the Heisman Trophy is awarded. But he will be watching Joe Burrow win both of those awards. All right, you're, you back to you now. Yeah, here's the the progression back of you, the Rich. progression of Jalen Hurts was really what I I wanted to focus on for a very quick moment. And I know we've done this in the past. I'm going to continue to do it. One of the the biggest knocks we've heard this time and time again about Jalen Hurts was his accuracy. You and I, Matt, had even talked and said that the ask from Nick Saban to Jalen Hurts was to protect the football. At Oklahoma, that hasn't – of course, you want to emphasize valuing each possession, making sure that you're not making careless mistakes that are extremely costly via a turnover. But the ask has not been the same from Lincoln Riley to Jalen Hurts as what Nick Saban was asking Hurts to do. On Saturday, we talk about the improvement, a lot of the recognition, and I'm starting to want to use the term poise for Jalen Hurts, a guy who at the beginning of the season tucked and runned very, 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 very quickly when the pocket began to collapse or when it even began to move. There was not um, a huge willingness I don't know that I would use the ability because I think it existed, but there wasn't the willingness to step up, continue to survey the field, make the read, and make the throw. You saw Oklahoma State send some blitzes against Jalen Hurts that 
were basically unblocked. But what is what does Jalen Hurts do? He throws towards that vacated spot, knowing he's either got a one-on-one matchup or there's open field if someone is running a curl, getting a first down, whatever that might be. But it's that recognition of, okay, I see where the blitz is coming from. I'm throwing the ball that same direction because there's one less defender essentially to clog up that portion of the field. So just wanted to highlight a little little progression that we're seeing from Jalen Hurts there. Yeah, and also, but the flip side of that, I would say there was a couple of times, at least twice, where the sack was on Jalen Hurts, where he held it too long, trying to wait for something. fumble it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't argue that point. We're, we're getting there, yeah, Matt. We're getting baby there. Baby steps, right? Okay, so your offensive player of the game is who? Offensive player of the game, I think you could easily say Jalen Hurts or Kennedy Brooks. I am going with Kennedy Brooks in this situation, knowing the task of running the ball, running consistently, and still being productive. You've mentioned the over seven yards per carry. That's quite impressive on any given Saturday. Yeah, I've got to go with um, you're going to give Kennedy Brooks, and and that's fine because that's who I I really thought you were going to go with Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. And so I was prepared to fire off Kennedy Brooks um, (laughs) because of the fact that um, I I think he made the offense work. I mean, uh, with all the attention, Mike Mike Gundy and staff, you know, their focus was Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Don't let Jalen Hurts beat us. Okay. We're going to let Kennedy, we're going to beat you with Kennedy Brooks. And that's where you get the 160 yards. Um, And so. But here, here's what I'm going to throw out there. Tommy McDonald, man, ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, and re- caught a touchdown pass. Um, I'll give Jalen Hurts my nod just based off of that. Hey, real quick before – are we? I feel like you're wanting to switch sides of the ball. So I'm going to ask the question. One thing that we didn't see in this game was turnovers from this Oklahoma offense. Didn't matter if that was the receivers. Mm -hmm. I know the receivers had ball security issues there previously. The younger guys, we've also seen uh, just various players, Jalen Hurts being the, the largest culprit, cough the ball up, put the ball on the turf. No turnovers in this game against Oklahoma State. Have we resolved internally not we you and i personally but oklahoma and the program that exists there that is football has the football program resolved the turnover issue and I, I, i'm talking offensive side of yeah, the ball yeah i mean i need more than one week okay i, I i'm so, I, I and i think i i think saturday morning by the way 11 a.m kickoff woohoo um i think saturday morning when that game kicks off and oklahoma gets the ball for the very first time and you see Jalen Hurts looking to throw deep, or you see Jalen Hurts tucking and running, you're going to be in your mind thinking, oh my gosh, hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. You know, and I I just I and the reason why is because I don't know that there's still trust there from the fan base yet that they've resolved this issue. I think you need to see it more than just once. You've seen so many games, five in a row, I think, with the turnover. So just because you have one game without the turnover. I think you need more than that to say that the issue has been resolved. Okay. Fair is enough. that fair? It, it is fair. I think assessment-wise, you can absolutely say that. But I know the disgust and the disappointment in turning the ball over for this offense as a whole has been at the forefront of the conversation, not only for themselves in the locker room, but for us mm-hmm. as fans. And it's something that you consistently make a point of and you consistently work on day in, day out. I don't know that anything was being done different. I, I know that the emphasis is there, but when it come when it came to the turnovers, Oklahoma, whoever that ball carrier was, I did notice start switching it to the outside arm mm-hmm. instead of having the traffic that's coming from inside out and in pursuit of you as the ball carrier, being able to put a helmet on that ball, swipe at it, knock it out, whatever that might be, Oklahoma switched. That hand, and I don't think that's extremely common when you think you've got all this open field and open running room, and someone right there behind you, three feet or so, is able just to kind of come down with a, a, a fist mm-hmm. and a hammer 
and and knock that ball out. Um, there are some oddities, I think, in the turnovers that we've seen from Oklahoma, specifically against TCU. The the fact that someone tackled Jalen Hurts and and took the ball at the same time, that's not extremely common. It's not on the ground. It's just a change of possession all of a sudden, you know. So, But avoiding those types of things by moving that ball over is a step in the right direction. I'm seeing progress. I get where you're coming from, but I'm seeing progress. And that's what you want is progress. But again, it's just one game. And mm-hmm. and you look at the defensive side of the ball, you've got Parnell Motley. Of course, it didn't count as an interception against Iowa State. It counted as a failed two-point conversion. But you got Parnell Motley coming up with a big interception at the end of the Iowa State game. Uh, you've got Bonito with the interception at the end of the Baylor game. You, you've got um, Buki with the interception at the end of TCU. And then you've got the Parnell Motley turnovers on Saturday night in Stillwater. So that's four games in a row. The defense has produced a turnover. So you do, again, you see progress there uh, on that front, but I don't think it's enough yet to say, you know, this is the first time and and the defense can only do their part, but this is the first time in a long time. It's been multiple turnovers for the defense. And, and, you know, Alex Grinch said at the very beginning, two turnovers, two turnovers is what we want. What I did like about the turnovers on Saturday, which by the way, it should have been three. Um, what I did like about the turnovers is you had a strip, which you, that, that means these guys are going after the ball. Uh, and you know, the, the, you love to see that where, where the ball is stripped, but also part of Motley playing the ball. I mean, and I, that's, that's good. It's that it means that these guys are still, you know, 15 weeks into the season, they're still being coached and they're still adapting and adjusting to the way they're being coached. And that's always a positive sign because the knock against Mike Stoops, you can say X is the nose all you want, but really the, the knock against Mike Stoops is that the players had stopped listening to him. They needed a new voice and they've got it in Alex Grinch. Um, and they're still responding to the coaching. Oklahoma state held to 16 total points, just three points in the second half. Cowboys were 5 of 12, below 50% on third down. That's what you like to see. 335 yards for the for the Cowboys. They had to throw the ball 22 times, which, again, bodes well for the defense because they were behind. And Mike Gundy even admitted as, as much in post-game uh, press conference that, hey, we were taken out of our game plan because we got behind by multiple scores. Mm-hmm. We had to throw the ball more than uh than what we wanted um but you know six and a half yards per completion they got the one interception everybody agrees except for reggie smith in the big 12 replay booth that it should have been two interceptions (laughs) um and so big a big night for oklahoma's defense and to me the biggest thing is this we talked about it. I wrote about it leading up to the game. Chuba Hubbard is going to get his 100 yards, but he got 104. He had to work and grind for the 104. But you and I talked about it. Don't don't let Chuba Hubbard beat you. Mm-hmm. Put the ball in Drew Brown's hands. Right. Let him try to beat you. That's exactly what happened, and Oklahoma came up on the short end on the school board. By the way, the Sooners covered the spread in this game. I well. know, right? First time since 2008. Did you go back and check it? No, no, no. I just no. I, I just know that okay. they covered the spread. Yeah, they they did, and I didn't. I wasn't expecting that heading into the game. I was expecting something much closer. Um, my score prediction was 11 points, which indicates my expectations defensively for Oklahoma. I I do want to visit the replay. And yeah, the, we, we're going to talk about that here in a minute. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's talk about general defense. Okay. And then we, I've got some thoughts <laughs> on the replay. Okay. Um, general defense, I, I felt as though Oklahoma potentially dealt a huge blow leading up to the contest. Matt, you published the article about Jalen Redmond being a, a late no go for this contest. And you talk about a young kid with a high, high ceiling on the football field all of a sudden removing him we've known leading up to this rivalry matchup in Stillwater Oklahoma needed to be at full strength defensively and that was yes the turnovers hadn't helped the defense in the past but we wanted the players who were going to make something happen or going to disrupt the flow of the offense to be on the field 
we have a benefactor in that in David Uguebu mm-hmm. who steps in and absolutely destroys any thoughts of being successful on his side of the field. We heard his name called numerous times, which was a little bit of a surprise when we thought, hey, Hubbard's going to be running the ball. Murray's going to be the name that we're most familiar with by the end of the contest, if not a guy like Neville Gallimore. Mm -hmm. So Oklahoma being dealt a loss, if you will, in terms of personnel, but responding and having the next individual ready to go speaks volumes of this coaching staff, but it also speaks volumes of the players who are buying into the concepts that they are being taught, the concepts that they have to, in order to be successful, have to execute on each and every down. We're seeing, I know that these aren't necessarily Alex Grinch's guys yet, but if this is just a glimpse of what's coming, we are seeing <laughs> this upward trajectory, a, a swing. And I think anybody looking at Oklahoma, more specifically, doing an eye test of the defense is is going to say that they're they're going to start passing that eye test again. Well, Guaybu is one of Alex Grinch's guys. He he's a freshman. Um, his biggest contribution is not showing up on the stat sheet. He did have five tackles of the night, including two tackles for loss and a sack, which was his first career sack uh, as a member of Oklahoma's defense. You know what his biggest contribution was on the night? I don't. What what have we been – and we've talked about this openly. What have we been worried about with Oklahoma's defense in the running game? It's setting the edge. Setting the edge, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what he did. Right. He set the edge and funneled everything back inside. He was spectacular at that. Anybody who's been around defensive end or defensive coaching, you know that the, the number one job before he crashes, before he comes after the quarterback, he's got to set the edge. Funnel it back in the middle, let your linebackers clean up. And the, he was, for a freshman. It was the nickelback cleaning up well, this week. Well, true. That's true. And I've got a <laughs> thought on that as well. But he, he was spectacular at that. And that was um, an unexpected treasure, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, for this kid. To Exactly what you're saying. I, I see, man, Jalen Redmond's out. Oh, gosh. Right. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Jalen Redmond's more of a pass-rushing specialist. And you're thinking, you know, Drew Brown, an inexperienced guy, and, and this level of football, in this stadium, and this rivalry, you want pressure on him. That was one of my defensive keys to the game, and you lost one of your one of your weapons in doing that. But I, to me, what we got, what we saw out of this kid, out of Uguebu, way, way, way uh, exceeds the disappointment of Jalen Redmond not playing. Um, on the defense, I'm going to go back because I'm just totally glazed over on on the turnovers and forgot this. This was the one point I wanted to make when it came to the turnovers. It's very apparent that Alex Grinch knows what he's talking about. When he set the number at two, I don't think that was by mistake. Defensively, Oklahoma gets the two turnovers. Could, should, however you would like to label that. Could have, should have been three. But when they are plus two on the turnover margin, we see the results on the field. And that's a 16-point outing for an offense that, granted, is missing a few key players in Tylen Wallace and Spencer Sanders, but was very limited in what they were able to do. And some of that was by virtue of those turnovers and keeping them off of the field due to that. When I'm looking at, at this defense, one thing that I think we can get get behind, get excited about, Jaden Davis, you've corrected me once on this podcast now and saying Uguebu, but we've got Davis, Uguebu, you've got some young safeties. The future is pretty bright for this defense, especially if they're going to continue. And I've said it once. I'll say it again on this podcast. If they're going to continue on the trajectory that they're on currently, I know they're lacking in experience, but talent and the pool of talent is clearly there. I'm expecting Nick Benito to have bigger and a bigger and bigger impact on the game as a guy who's that rush or feeling that rush capacity. Benito. I, mm-hmm. he's another young kid. And I think, I think he's got a, a bright future in, in front of him. He, right. Here's the thing. When, when you look at Trey Brown was not that impressive. 
initially. He struggled. Um, I, I want to say two things. First, I want to say it's not uh, you're, you're talking about the turnovers, okay? And we're talking about the measure of success or the mm-hmm. mark of improvement. It's not just when I look at that. It's not just the two that they came up with. Should have been three, but you know, Braden Johnson fumbled. Parnell Parnell Motley gets the strip and then he recovers it. But Shuba Hubbard fumbled twice. He did. And, 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 and that never happens. And didn't Oklahoma get a stop on fourth down, if yes. I'm not mistaken? Yeah. So we can we can count, I count essentially I've always, four. Yeah, I always count the fourth down. I that's called a turnover on downs. Mm-hmm. I've always counted that. But the other thing is Buki, uh 10 tackles, leads the team. And then you got Kenneth Murray and Parnell Motley. And then you go below him, Uguebu, Bonito, DTL. Uh, those guys all had five tackles. Aguebu Bonito are youngsters. They're they're right. pops in this group. Mur- Murray and Motley are the only two that will be graduating of the whole the well, whole Murray's, list where you've Murray's gone only out. a junior, isn't he? You you're correct. I mean, he's going to the NFL, yes. but I, well, that's another conversation for another day. I, I think I think this kid could stay. He he's made a lot of I think he went from undraftable after last season to second, third round. Mm-hmm. I think if he stays, he's a lock for a top 10 pick. I really do. I think he can stand to gain millions of dollars by staying. But typically those guys, when they want to come out, if they get a second round grade, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think he'll be gone. Um, but the point I'm making is, you know, Buki is sophomore, uh, Uguebu a freshman, Bonito a sophomore. You've got some really good young talent on this team. And I think seven of their top nine tacklers for the season are underclassmen. Freshmen and sophomores underclassmen. So um, good. uh, I I think it's working. They need help. They need more people. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying that since day one. And you're talking about needing help. There have been a couple of commitments. Mm -hmm. A majority of what we're seeing – Offers wise, as well as commitments for Oklahoma, I know you get the decommit as well, but they're all on the defensive side of the ball. But don't 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 forget that sometimes the decommits are because of the commits, right? You know, you, mm-hmm. you say, oh, a five stars coming here, huh? Okay, right? You know, so sometimes that happens. Big big commitment this last week on Thanksgiving Day with, with the Grimes mm-hmm. kid. Uh, you know, that's that is huge for this defense. I think there's a couple more that are obviously coming in before we hit. We're into December now, so that national signing day, the early signing periods coming up in about two and a half weeks. But I, I think there's, in, I've got at least three more on the defensive side of the ball that are coming in before national signing day. Okay. Just, just saying. Um, okay. Oklahoma's defense. Um, Anything else you want to throw in here or add to it? No, I just I, want to talk about the replay. I, well, we're, we're, we're getting there. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, one thing I, I, I want to emphasize with the defense. I, I mean, I just, I don't think you can overlook this. Is the the adjustments that are made in game, mm-hmm. and we've seen it for three weeks now. Baylor, TCU, and Oklahoma State, where they just they make the adjustments. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State did something offensively that hasn't done been done to Oklahoma all season long. You know what it was? Mm-hmm. They scored a touchdown on their opening possession. Right. Yeah, right. I, I actually mentioned that during the game. Okay, first time all season long that's happened. I didn't mention it in those terms. I said first time that it feels like Oklahoma hasn't gotten a three and out right. on the well, first drive. Yeah, well, but what people don't realize, that was the only touchdown. Mm-hmm. They scored their touchdown on their opening possession for the rest of the game. They're held to three field goals. Why is that? Defensive adjustments. Right. And what Alex Grinch did, they tried just to go base defense, which that's all. Anytime you can run base and be successful, that's your best option because you can do whatever you want to if you're successful in base defense. But Chuba Hubbard, give the kid credit. He's good. He's mm-hmm. really, really good. I'm hoping he hops out as a redshirt sophomore to go to the NFL because I, I do. I think he's a first round grade. I mean, I think this kid can go and make a lot of money. Unless he wants that Heisman. I'd take a couple million dollars over a Heisman. I, I, mean, I that's agree just me. with you. But, but the point is, they adjusted that. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and again, Mike Gundy, yeah. he was pretty much flabbergasted afterwards saying we couldn't do what we wanted to do. Yeah. And Ch- uh, on Chuba Hubbard, he is easily. If you don't put him at number one, he's the number two running back in the country in at the college level currently. And it's 
anyone would do a coin toss between him and Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan yeah. Taylor doesn't have an option on whether he's going to the NFL or not, whereas Hubbard clearly does. Right. Yeah, and and Taylor, the Taylor kid's good, but I think I would take Chuba Hubbard over him. All right, let's look across the Big 12 real fast. There wasn't a lot out there with the Big 12 championship already being settled. I think Oklahoma's fate is really in the hands of the Baylor Bears. They were playing Kansas, and they just steamrolled the Jayhawks 61-6 in the uh, season finale for year one of Les Miles. Baylor's going to move up at least two spots, in my opinion, when the rankings come out, which is going to put Oklahoma probably at number six versus number seven matchup in the Big 12 championship. And that's really all you need, uh, in my opinion. To I, I think you beat number seven, you're, <laughs> or beat number eight, even if they're number eight, you're going to the college football playoff if you're the Oklahoma Sooners. I think that where the Big 12 is in, I guess. I don't care what Utah, Oregon mm-hmm. looks like. Oregon wins, clearly Utah's out. But I think even if Utah wins that game, this spot, to me, assuming LSU beats Georgia, this spot belongs to the winner of the Big 12 championship. Uh, one thing to note, uh, we're recording the podcast on Sunday night, December 1st. Texas wins uh, Friday over t- Texas Tech 49-24. to And then on Sunday, um, I've been calling this. I, I've, been, I've been saying this. I, I know I don't want to sound arrogant, but I do like to admit when I'm right. I admit when I'm wrong as well. But – uh, Todd Orlando has been fired as the uh, ha- as the defensive coordinator for the University of Texas. At this point, at least one recruit has decommitted. He tweeted out Van Fillinger, uh, a four-star defensive end uh, from Utah. He says, I will be decommitting from Texas and reopening my recruitment. Um, there's going to be some ramifications from that. But I, I, we've talked about this, Rich. There had to be a fall guy for the Longhorns and the season that they've had to have a guy like, like Sam Ellinger come out afterwards and make the comment that he made just completely ridiculous. um, What's going on in Austin, Texas, but here's the thing. Once, once this happens, once, once you get to this point where you have to fire coordinators, Tom Herman's on the clock. He's got to produce next year. And if he doesn't produce next year, it's over. And and people know this. Recruits know this. Other coaches know this. And so if you're out there, you're, you're Texas Tech, you're TCU, you're Baylor, you're Oklahoma, you're Oklahoma State. Well, I, Oklahomans kind of have on their way as it is with, uh, with Texas football at this point uh, as far as recruiting goes. But you're saying, look, you're, you're talking to these recruits. And you're telling them, Tom Herman's on the clock. You're committed to Tom Herman. You better be willing to get there and win 10 games in a conference championship next season. Otherwise, you're going to be coach. Someone else is going to be your head coach the season after in 2021. That's where Texas is right now. And sometimes sometimes you can turn it around. Sometimes you can by just bringing in a new coordinator. Look at Alex Grinch. Now, Lincoln Riley was never on the clock. Don't, Don't get me wrong here. He was never on the clock the way Tom Herman is. But Alex Grinch has been able to substantially turn around the culture of Oklahoma's defense in one season. But at Texas, it's not just the culture of the defense. It's the culture of the program that you've got to get turned around. And that's a tall task. I think when you look at the number of injuries that the Texas had this year, you look at the fact that Todd Orlando was clearly a fall guy for Tom Herman this year. They're going to have to throw a bunch of money at somebody to get them to come to Austin, or they're going to have to find a diamond in a rough, a young assistant somewhere who wants to make a name for himself. And that's always going to be a gamble. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You look at some of the national criticism, some of the players who are players, excuse me, coaches who are familiar with Tom Herman because Tom Herman served on staff underneath a guy like urban Meyer who has been critical of him this season players not former players of his but players like Brady Quinn have also been critical of Tom Herman not only of some of the coaching decisions but also some of the culture that's being implemented at Texas something has to change obviously this is the first step but I do agree with you writing on the wall here next season 
I don't know that Texas will be as successful as they were in 2018 next year, but they need to be they need to be without five losses. 100%. Let's be honest. I think they got to win a conference. I really do. That's that. The, Texas has just finished the first decade in the history of their program, the first ten year stretch to where they didn't win at least one conference championship. Well, didn't did they have four losses last year? I don't know. I they went eleven and four. Uh, something like that. And I think they th- they lost thrice. <laughs> Can I say thrice? Because mm-hmm. um, whatever. I, I don't want to. I don't care enough about it to look at it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma up to number six in the coaches poll. Number six in the AP poll. I think they'll be number six when the playoff rankings come out on um, on Tuesday night. That puts Oklahoma. They're in the conversation. They're in the picture. Like I said, Baylor uh. currently number nine. In the playoff rankings, Minnesota loses, Alabama loses. <laughs> I think Alabama becomes the best two-loss team out there. They'll be the highest-ranked two-loss team. Oh no! You don't think so? I don't think Who's so. Who's gonna be ranked above? Florida. No way! No way! Zero chance that happens. I would bet you a Gatorade, but I've been waiting like a month and a half for the last Gatorade. I bet you. But I think Bama comes in at number ten uh, next next uh, Tuesday night, which means that's two spots for Bay. I don't care that Florida's ahead of them in the AP poll. This is not. Yes, you you're do. You're the AP poll. I yes, don't I care am. about that. What anyway? Point being, whether it's Florida or Bama at number ten, someone's going to be number ten, meaning that spot's going to drop and. Baylor moves up two spots, giving you a number six versus number seven matchup. I think Utah is going to be number five. A lot of Oklahoma fans want the Sooners to jump the Utes after this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think that happens after the Big 12 championship. I I sighed a second ago because initially, I think it was after week 13, anyone who was ranked – and the conversation is still centering around Oklahoma – Anyone who was ranked nine mm-hmm. in the college football playoff, the third college football playoff, I think is what it was, has never actually made the top four before the end of the season. That trend is set to break this year as I know we needed and we were rooting for a little bit of chaos. We got it. Mm-hmm. And that's all that anybody could ask for if you're a fan of Oklahoma or even of the Big 12 because Baylor, very much alive in this conversation as well. I think I'm in the same shoes that you are. Whoever wins the Big 12 championship game next Saturday ultimately stamps or punches a ticket to the college football playoff. Baylor or Oklahoma does not matter. And and just to be on the safe side, you want to cheer for chaos. I mean, you – you want the status quo with uh, – I mean you want the status quo with like Ohio State and LSU because I think I think if Georgia beats LSU, I, I, I really feel like the SEC is getting two in. Oh, and I, I don't know that Ohio State matters. Wisconsin's I I already got Ohio two State losses. Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, well, maybe that's a good point about the two losses. It, it wouldn't hurt for Clemson to lose to Virginia. That would be kind of fun, chaotic moment. Um, but you want Georgia out. I think, I think Georgia's more susceptible. Georgia loses to LSU. They're out. It wouldn't hurt for, for Utah to lose to Oregon. That would really secure the deal. But, uh, the path is there. I really feel like, and I've said this for a week now, win and you're in, if you're Oklahoma, take down Bedlam, take the big 12 championship home. And I feel like you're in the playoff and you're most likely looking again at Ohio state in the first round, which was a tall, tall task. But let's not forget the last time Oklahoma played Ohio State, they weren't supposed to win, and Baker Mayfield ended up playing the flag at the center of Ohio Stadium. <laughs> so, all right, Big 12's got an issue with with uh, with um, with replay. And and I think Reggie Smith, honestly, I, I, I never use officiating as an excuse. I don't. But there's an issue. I, I've been harping on Big 12 officiating for years now, and it's not getting better. I think I gave the Big 12 the benefit of the doubt with the with the onside kick at Kansas State. I, in my opinion, should have been Oklahoma ball. But I also I also acknowledge that I'm a fan, and I could be wrong. I can see how they can interpret the rule the way they did. I don't like it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand it. I can't understand 
how Parnell Motley didn't have two interceptions Saturday night. <laughs> I can't either. I mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so we are in agreement. Yeah, because the ruling on the field. Exactly. The and on the field and that, an that, was, that was the major point of contention. Because when you saw each angle from the replay, I didn't ever feel as though there was clear evidence one way or the other that the call on the field would not have been confirmed, but they would have stepped out and said the interception stands. Mm -hmm. Because I, I know, and looking at it as a fan, you can look and say there's a sliver of green between his heel and that sideline, the white, or that his heel never came down. Right, his heel was up. But ultimately, the video angles aren't close enough for you to make that distinction. The only thing that you do have to go on was the closest official who said that it was caught in bounds right. and he never stepped out because that was a pick six. I don't know if there's a pick six. I, he I, was running down the well, sideline untouched. I, I think he ultimately did step out of bounds. But after he had the ball. I didn't think he stepped um, out of bounds, period. But here's the thing. You 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 the side judge is there. That's his job. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the video, the side judge is looking down at Parnell Motley's feet and he calls it an interception. That means there has to be evidence on the video replay that says one of two things that Parnell Motley was out of bounds at the time he intercepted the ball, or that Parnell Motley did not gain possession of the ball before going out of bounds. That's that's what the replay has to show. And Rich, I've looked at that replay. I don't see either of those things on the replay. I concur. So to overturn the ruling on the field, you have to see something that's clearly not there. And in my frustration, I got no I got no bones with this. I mean, I, I tweeted the Big 12. I was like, hey, Big 12. And I tagged the Big 12 conference. With the replay. And I said, help us understand. And because here's the problem. Here's the rub in all this. This is why the Big 12 has an issue. It will never be explained why this call was overturned. It will never be explained. And sometimes, like, for example, Kansas State, you got to get a pool reporter to go into the game. Uh, go in one reporter. And, and I don't know if people understand this because I've worked with pool reporters before at other events. But when a pool reporter is selected, the process is this. You tell us what your question is, and we'll tell you if we want to answer it or not. That's how it works. And so the pool reporter, which I believe was, if I remember right, was Kelly Hines from the, from the Tulsa World at Kansas State. She got to go in and ask the Big 12 official, what did you see? Why did you overturn that? And you get a generic, vague explanation. That will not happen with this because it wasn't that big of a play as far as the grand scheme of things. It didn't cost anything. You're right. right. But it wasn't the right call. And there will be no accountability. Now, Bosley may get with these guys and say, look, okay, because of this, we're downgrading you as far as bowl assignments or we're downgrading you for this or this. But it's not there, – there will be no accountability. There will be no explanation. And the reality is everyone who looks at that video, I've even had Oklahoma State fans say that should have been an interception. I'm glad it wasn't, but it should have been an interception. Mm -hmm. um, and this is an issue. It's a growing issue. It used to be the Pac-12 was the – hands down, worst officiate in the country was the Pac-12. Remember Oklahoma State, Oregon, okay? There, there's Alan Patrick holding the ball up as the – it's one of the most iconic for Oklahoma fans – one of the most iconic photos out there because you've got the the officials looking into the pile to find the ball, ultimately granting position possession to Oregon, and Alan Patrick's holding the ball up. <laughs> He's like, I got it right here, guys. The ball – and if you go back, if you're like you, too young to remember that play, if you go back <laughs> – <laughs> and you look at that replay, the ball is never in the scrum. It's never in the pile. It's in Alan Patrick's hands. It comes out of the pile. Alan Patrick gains possession of the ball and holds it up because the play has been – it was dead. But the ball was never possessed in that scrum. It comes out, and the officials are still looking in the scrum for the ball. It used to be hands down Pac-12 worst officiating. But I feel like the Big 12 has dropped so drastically – that they are on par with the Pac-12. And it's not just Oklahoma. We, we talked about Kansas State. We talked about Parnell Motley's interception. But Baylor, 
Baylor won a game this this year that basically was given to them by Big 12 officiating. Baylor benefited from it, and and the Texas Tech athletic director just basically says, here's what happened. Here's what our explanation was afterwards. And then the Big 12 fined the athletic director for for releasing publicly the explanation that was given to him over the whole situation. The Big 12 has a big issue in this area, and I don't know how to fix it. I really don't. Any closing thoughts? <laughs> I got nothing to follow that, man. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Again, we uh, we want to say how much we appreciate you guys checking at the website, harlan-sports.com, checking in on our podcast, participating through emails and so forth. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, we are available to, to, you know, to go. If you want to download us from Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, we're also there. Um, Spotify, we're out there. Also, you can get us at Overtime Media. Uh, and take us with you. Thanks so much. Have a great week. We'll be back to preview Big 12 Championship later on in the week. Boomer Sooner, everybody.